You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome to the Hog Beat Hour. I am your host, Mason Choate, joined, as always, by Andrew Hutchinson and Alex Trader of HogBeat.com. We got a busy show today because it's been a long time since we talked to everybody on this podcast. We got to talk football recruiting. We've had five commitments since the last time we talked to you for the Razorback football team. We got to talk baseball. We haven't even we haven't even talked on this podcast since the postseason started. So we're going to talk some baseball. We're going to talk about the roster, how it's going to look, how it's currently looking. Uh, basketball announced their SEC opponents um, going to get Kentucky twice, home and away. So that's big. We'll talk about that, break that down. And uh, Hutch, he's going to have a message for everybody here at the end of the podcast. So, so yeah, we have a lot to get to today, but we're going to start with some football recruiting. We got our guy Alex Trader here. He's going to talk about some of these recruits that have committed, as well as Hutch. Hutch has been following it also, but baseball season is – I mean, it, it's, been, it's been crazy. Now that baseball's over, Hutch, you're able to put a little bit more time and effort into recruiting. Alex, you've been hitting it. So Arkansas gets five commitments since June 19th. We're talking right now it's June 30th. So, um, Alex, go through these recruits, these five guys, and tell us um, – you don't have to break each of them down, but maybe, you know, the, the biggest thing about each guy. Yeah, so, I, I mean, you're seeing a lot of talent coming in. You, you saw um, Christian Ford, who was the first to kind of break the seal for this recruitment run or this commitment run came in and committed with zero stars on rivals and was able to pick up a high three-star rating, which is pretty impressive. He's 6'1", 185 pounds. Is going to be that big, long defensive back that, that's going to be able to kind of fit in within what Dominic, Dominique built, uh, Bowman looks like he's building for that Razorbacks defensive backfield. Um, and, and you saw another cornerback coming in, 6'3", 180 pounds in R.J. Johnson out of Eagles Landing, Georgia, that's a huge pickup. And, and that's another common theme you're going to see between this is you saw um, four or three Georgia guys, a Texas guy, and then you also saw Alex Sanford coming in from Mississippi um, is, is a massive get. He's a linebacker, high three-star, kind of, you know, committed Sunday after the visit. You saw a lot of these guys come in, um, not even necessarily planning to have their commitment in place, like Steven Johnson, who, who's a defensive tackle out of Fayetteville, Georgia, um, so he's not having to, to change much on his forms. He just has to change the state, not the city. Um, he, he initially told me that he was planning to commit on July or make a decision on July 4th. And then just out of nowhere later that that Sunday after the official visits had wrapped up, you know, he was he was all calling the hogs. So it, it's been a really, really hectic stretch. You had, you know, upwards of 20 guys on campus over the last couple of weekends for official visits uh, cumulatively, not, not per weekend, but you have, you know, about 10 guys per weekend. And it's, that's between commits and non-commits, but it's really um, Arkansas did not, did not ease into the dead period, which kicked off a couple of days ago. They really sprinted into it and, and picked up a couple of commits on that last day. So I feel like, of course, with this, with this football team and this staff, you know, Sam Pittman's known as a, a great recruiter, that you mentioned it there, they're not going to ease into it. They're going to hit the ground running and they're going to put a lot of effort into that. Um, I think one of the big things with them is they're always writing like hand handwritten notes to, to recruits and coaches and stuff like that. And I think that's really cool, but I'm curious, you've talked to some of these guys, some of these commits, 
and uh, you've been able to, uh, you know, hear what they thought. And you talked about how some of them committed like right after their visit. Is there like a, a common theme among them that they're saying like, this is what I liked about Arkansas? Uh, generally it's the family aspect. It's, it's the culture that, that the staff is building. It's the ability to go in and know, Hey, my parents feel comfortably comfortable with me coming here and spending the next three to five years of my life. And Fayetteville, you know, it, it gets voted as the best college campus in the sec time and time again, for a reason it, it is as a student here, it's a very nice place. There's a lot to do it, it, nature wise, entertainment wise, you're never going to be bored. And, and then you're also seeing, um, a, a lot of them be excited about the fan base and feel the love and, and see, hey, I know that these fans are going to have my back whenever I come here and whenever I call the hogs. And that support is something that you do see a lot of times sway uh, high school kids decisions. All right, Hutch. So four of these five recruits since June 19th were defensive players. Um, do you think that that's just, you know, they just committed or you think that they're trying to make a, a push for more guys on the defensive side of the ball? Because I feel like that's something that they they haven't hit hard going back to like before Chad Morris got to Arkansas. And that's I feel like they've been having to rebuild that defense, especially with Barry Odom here. Yeah, I mean, if you look back at the commitments early on, a lot of the commits they were getting were on the offensive side of the ball. So at some point you had to go on a run of defensive guys just to, to make a a class makes sense. And uh, the thing that I thought that stood out amongst these guys was the fact that two of those guys uh, were defensive tackles. Uh, you know, Ian Jeffrard, uh, he's listed as an offensive lineman on, on rivals. Uh, he's a guy that some schools were recruiting him as an offensive tackle. I think Auburn was maybe Boston college, uh, but Arkansas is recruiting him as a defensive tackle. He is a big old dude. I mean, he's six, six, three fifty five. That is a massive dude. And then, of course, the other defensive tackle they just recently landed, Steven Johnson. Uh, Alex mentioned him. He's 6'4", 315. Uh, those are two big dudes. And, and Arkansas has struggled to recruit defensive tackles, especially defensive tackles with size. Um, I, I, when I wrote the commitment story for Jeffrard, I'm pretty sure I wrote that it was the first uh, defensive high school defensive tackle they had signed in like a couple of classes because they didn't have any last year. Uh, they did bring in uh, a Juco guy in the year before that, uh, you know, they did get Cam Ball uh, in, in one of those classes. He's, he's a you know, guy that they're really counting on, but you know, other than that, it's, it's not really been a whole lot. They had a couple in their first class that, that have transferred out. Uh, so it, it's, that is a major position of need. And of course you, you look at these guys on rivals and neither one of them are really are, are high five, uh, three stars. They're actually low three stars, 5.5 uh, 5 ratings. Uh, but they're both from Georgia. Uh, they both have size and you just hope, you know, maybe those guys can develop into guys that can help you down the line because that is a major position of need when it comes to depth, uh, not just, you know, in the future years, but also this year, uh, these guys won't help them this year, but you know, at least down the line, they'll have some guys there to, to plug in in the middle of the defensive line. Another Georgia guy is Everett Russaw. He decommitted from Arkansas. He was a linebacker that had committed to the Hawks a while back. Um, now he's reopened his recruitment. Is this more of a thing where, you know, he wanted to test the water somewhere else or maybe the Hawks backed off him a little bit? Yeah, I get the vibe that that either either Arkansas backed off a little bit or he saw the other guys that were committing. Uh, for example, Alex Sanford, another guy that, that Alex mentioned, 
uh, a guy from Oxford, Mississippi, high three-star recruit, uh, heralded guy. They're on some other linebackers. He may have just seen the other guys they were on and said, man, I don't know if this is the best spot for me. And, you know, you can respect that. Uh, this is, this is a guy that, uh, was not a super heralded guy. Like he had a couple of other power five offers, but they were like Duke and Indiana. It's not like he was being recruited by other, you know, big time sec schools or, you know, Ohio States or Clemson's or Oklahoma's that some of these other recruits that Arkansas have landed have been. So, uh, I don't think it was necessarily a huge blow because I feel like they're doing a solid job at linebacker, which is again, crazy thing to say, because kind of like what I was talking about with defensive tackles, uh, they were not, they have not traditionally recruited linebacker super well either, uh, but they seem to be in a good spot with some other guys, as well as the guys they already have on campus, Carson Bean, a, a four-star, he's more of an outside linebacker, Sanford that I mentioned, he's more of an inside linebacker, uh, like uh, the guy who just decommitted. So it, it's a, I, I think it was a thing where maybe they still would have taken him. But they also probably, this is just me kind of insinuating this, maybe didn't fight him too much whenever he said, hey, I think I'm going to decommit. So, Alex, there, you, you talked about all these visits that have been happening. As far as visits go, what more do they have left there? And then also there's supposed to be some recruits committing here in the next few days, I believe. Maybe talk through some of those guys. And if you feel confident in a few of them, maybe choose an Arkansas. Yeah, um, it. So the dead period just kicked off a couple days ago after Sunday's round of official visitors, which, which had 11 kids there. Um, and so that's wrapped up for the summer. You're not going to see any more visits or at least with the team official or unofficial um, for, for the rest of the summer. But when you get into the fall, you have kids who are looking to come to games, whether that be commits or, you know, 2023s or 24s who are still looking to kind of figure out what Arkansas is all about. Um, I don't think the run of defensive commits is necessarily going to stop. Um, there was a, a Penn State writer for the, the Rivals Network who recently said that he felt pretty good about TJ Metcalf coming to Arkansas. That's another Mississippi kid or Alabama kid, excuse me, um, like uh, Arkansas's current um, defensive back commit in Dallas Young, who um, has been recruiting TJ Metcalf really, really heavily. He has a brother who's a 2024 kid as well. Um, they were in Fayetteville a couple weekends ago. He's got a commitment day, I believe, set tomorrow. Um, so uh, that's one that I'm feeling pretty okay about. There's another one, though, um, who recently decommitted from Michigan State, Jalen Braxton. Um, he was in Fayetteville. I, I think he committed to Michigan State a couple days before, came to Fayetteville. Um, sounded like he really enjoyed the visit from what we were able to gather with our uh, official visit recap. And then decommitted a couple days later um was also in miami this past weekend he's deciding um relatively soon on on where he's going to be going um so i i think there's a couple guys on in that defensive backfield who dominique bowman could bring in and kind of seal up the class he we've heard they're not overly interested in bringing in a ton of guys for that position so so um, those top targets are ones you really, really want to pay attention to, uh, as well as a new offer out of East St. Louis, um, not Miles McVeigh, who interestingly goes to the same school and plays offensive line there. Um, Arkansas is out on his recruitment, but you do have his teammate in Paris Patterson, who um, was in town last weekend and seemed to really, really enjoy his visit. He has a July 4th commitment date set. Um, I think I saw he was also in Tennessee 
recently as uh i'm not sure what day that was but i saw on his twitter he was in tennessee so that that's a race that arkansas i think can absolutely win um and, and that's going to be a big like huge for for cody kennedy and sam Pittman, especially after losing one of your top guys in connor Stroh to texas all right well it's about to be july and then it's going to be august and then it's going to be september which means football's right around the corner which is uh it's I, I football is my favorite sport, even though, you know, I did the Diamond Hawks podcast. I covered baseball heavily like that's mainly because, yes, it's my job. But I football is my favorite sport. So I'm actually very excited. Um, looking forward to this next um, two month period. Preseason football is honestly very exciting. And of course, among Arkansas fans, normally, you know, a lot of expectations get set. And so we'll probably be at about nine or ten wins here in the next few weeks. So. Um, up next, we're going to talk about basketball. They're, uh, they figured out their SEC opponents, where they're going to be playing on this next season. We'll talk about that, and then we're going to talk through the baseball season, um, baseball postseason, basically, because we haven't talked about it yet on this podcast. And we're going to do all that later on here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. We're back here on the Hogbeat Hour. Mason Choate, Alex Trader, and Andrew Hutchinson with you talking some Razorback basketball. So I had previously mentioned all the schedule stuff, and I realized that that probably isn't the biggest basketball news that we could talk about. So Arkansas landed a commitment from Layden Blocker, who a lot of people think is going to be a five-star by the time that he's actually coming on to campus. Hutch, is that something that you've garnered with all the research you've done on him? Yeah, he seems like a, a the real deal. I mean, he's another guy that is is from Little Rock, so he's an in-state kid, uh, went to play at a prep school uh, over in Wichita, Kansas, uh, I think Sunrise Prep or something, I believe is what it's called, but it's one of those top, top places. I mean, he played alongside a couple of McDonald's All-Americans this year, uh, finished third on the team in scoring uh, behind the two McDonald's All-Americans. There were also a couple of other ACC signees on the team, a couple other you know, heralded prospects in his class. Uh, so this is a guy that's, that's really, really good. Seems to be like a bonafide, true uh, superstar kind of guy. Even if he doesn't get that five-star rating, he is essentially a five-star recruit for Arkansas, similar to Moses Moody. I think everyone in Arkansas knew he was way better than number 55 overall or whatever he ended up being. Uh, and I think it would be very similar to Layden Blocker. This is a guy that uh, believes he is capable of being a one-and-done NBA-type player. Uh, and in, if you're Arkansas, you want to keep landing these kind of guys because there were so many times we saw uh, before Musselman got here where those guys went elsewhere, especially the in-state guys. I mean, we all saw uh, Malik Monk went to Kentucky. Archie Goodwin went to Kentucky. Uh, that, that was not an uncommon thing. So uh, getting those guys to come to Arkansas – uh, will be will be huge and he's just another kind of continuation uh, now all 12 high school commitments and remember when Eric Musselman was hired everyone was like oh gosh can he recruit high school kids you know he's just this transfer portal guy but all 12 high school guys he is either signed or committed since he got here have been rivals 150 guys that is equal to the number of in, in four years equal to the number of guys Rivals 150 signings Arkansas had in the previous eight years. So I think he's doing all right. Yeah, I, I would say so. I think that we've learned quickly that Eric Musselman is an elite recruiter. 
and uh, one of the better recruiters in the entire country. Um, speaking of NBA draft, Jalen Williams drafted 34th overall by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Alex, what are your thoughts on that? You were a big Jalen Williams guy throughout the season. I was, and I thought, you know, even heading into the tournament, he was good. The, the team's success was kind of going to be made or uh, broken by what he was able to do, and I think we saw that was the case. Um, and that's why you're seeing him get so, drafted so high. I think earlier on we had talked about whether or not he could be a legitimate SEC, you know, center, and, and now he's going to be playing in the NBA um, alongside another Jalen Williams who got drafted 12th overall by the Thunder. Um, I think he's going by Jay Will for the, for the team, um, and the other one is J-Dub. But it, it's a good fit. Um, I'm not a huge NBA guy myself, but anytime you have a guy with the hustle and, and the grit that, that Jalen William does, as well as the ability to kind of adapt his game a little bit and, and realize, hey, this is what my team needs. I'm going to go do that. That's a huge plus for an NBA team. And then a few other hogs who uh, landed – on rosters, J.D. Note, he landed on the Golden State Warriors Summer League roster. Um, and then Stanley Amude, he'll be with the Pistons. And then, of course, Moses Moody is still going to be on that Warriors roster, so he'll get to play with uh, his former teammate, J.D. Note. Uh, Hutch, just initial thoughts on that. Also, Isaiah Joe still on the 76ers Summer League, and then they also picked up Justin Smith, former Hog. Um, so he'll be with the 76ers also. Uh, just general thoughts, maybe, do you think any of those guys, the places that they landed, I don't know how much NBA you watch, but maybe one of these guys have uh, a good shot at landing on a roster, maybe get a two-way contract, something like that? Yeah, I'm not a super big NBA guy, but I was very excited for J.D. Note to, to get a shot at uh, the NBA. I think he's certainly capable of it. He's probably going to have to find a niche. Uh, I know everyone views him as a scorer, and I think, he probably views himself as a scorer, but I also thought he was a really good lockdown defender uh, last year, probably underrated. I, I, I can't believe – I'm pretty sure he didn't make the SEC all-defensive team, and I thought that was kind of uh, uh, interesting because I thought he was certainly deserving of that. Uh, another guy, uh, Mason Jones, is with the Lakers uh, summer league squad as well. He's a guy that's been in the league a couple of years, uh, played some in the NBA, dominated the G League, been an all-G League performer – uh, so he's another guy I'm anxious to see kind of how he pans out because I think he is also capable even more so than J.D. Note to, to have a role in the NBA, you know, not maybe as a starter or a star or something like that, but you can't tell me Mason Jones couldn't be a 11th or 12th guy on the bench or something like that somewhere, whether that be with the Lakers or elsewhere. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm anxious to see how all these guys do. This is, this is unusual. There usually aren't this many Arkansas players we have, to worry about when it comes to the, the summer league. Usually it's, you know, maybe one or two guys and we just listed off five or six that are, are going to be worth following uh, just to see how they, they pan out. Uh, that's, that makes the, the summer months go by a little bit faster while we count down the days for football season. Well, let's bring things back to Fayetteville and Arkansas announced their uh, SEC schedule for the 2022-23 season. There's no dates and times or TVs yet, but uh, we know who they're going to be playing and where they're going to be playing them. The biggest news is Arkansas gets to play Kentucky twice, home and home series with the Wildcats. That's huge. And then the other home and home teams are going to be Alabama, LSU, Missouri, and Texas A&M. So I think, you know, Hutch, the, the big thing is Kentucky, that everybody, everybody wants to play Kentucky, but especially – 
if you're here in Arkansas with the team that Arkansas is going to have. Um, thoughts about that? These are the two teams everyone expects to be the top two in the SEC. All the way too early polls, uh, power rankings, all those things have Arkansas and Kentucky uh, pretty much as, as top 10 teams entering the season, uh, if not top five. Uh, so it, it it's great that the two top teams are going to be able to play home and home. Uh, you won't have one side arguing, well, you won that game only because it was, you know, on your home floor. Like I'm sure Kentucky fans argued that this past season, you know, with having to come to Fayetteville. So uh, I'm, I'm pumped. Uh, I'm personally going to do everything I can to make the trip to Rupp Arena. I've made that trip before and really want to make it again, especially if the season goes kind of how we're all expecting for both teams. It should be a really good, entertaining uh, game. And I'm, I'm really, I'm personally really excited for it. And of course, Alabama playing them twice, that's another team that's a preseason top 20. So a really tough schedule to get both those teams twice. You get the other a couple of top, top 20 caliber teams in Tennessee and Auburn. You have to play them on the road. Uh, so just a really, really tough schedule uh, on top of what you also have in the non-conference with Baylor in the SEC Big 12 Challenge, the Maui Invitational. You've still got OU on a neutral court. So uh, really shaping up to be an exciting schedule. And, and honestly, I mean, I, I know everyone's pumped about football, but I'm honestly kind of peeking ahead to basketball season a little bit, if I'm being honest. Yeah, and then the, the rest of the teams that will travel are Bud Walton, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, Ole Miss so not super exciting there unless you know Florida becomes a, a, a good basketball team again and then you mentioned it Auburn and Tennessee and they'll also travel to South Carolina and Vanderbilt um, so yeah I, I, I think of course the biggest thing is Kentucky but the, the schedule is going to be a little bit more exciting this next season than I, I believe it was last season as far as non-conference goes because um, you mentioned it, you get Baylor, Oklahoma, and some really good teams there in the Maui Invitational. So, yeah, I, I mean, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. I'm a football guy, but, you know, looking at these teams that Arkansas is going to play in basketball along with the players that they're going to have, it's pretty exciting stuff. Um, yeah, pretty exciting stuff. What's not exciting is what's going on with the baseball team right now. And I, I think that it's kind of a normal thing. There's always roster turnover, but uh, – this one feels like a lot more than normal. And so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how the team did in the postseason because we haven't done that yet. And uh, Hutch is going to have an announcement later on on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we are back here on the Hogbeat Hour. Go to hogbeat.com and subscribe. Go to the Hogbeat YouTube and subscribe there as well. A lot of great content on both of those platforms, especially over at hogbeat.com with all of the stuff that Hutch is doing, that myself is doing, and Alex Trader with all that football recruiting. I know that you guys want that football recruiting, so go subscribe to hogbeat.com and you can get the insider access from your man, Alex Trader. Um, okay, we got to talk about this baseball team and the way that the season finished. Uh, I think, you know, everybody heard – all the all the noise going on and I, I think that some of it was you know that 10 percent that we heard about throughout the year the 10 percent of fans that were saying a lot of bad things but the way they ended the sec tournament didn't really feel like they would win a regional then they went and won the stillwater regional um which really felt like a super regional um i don't remember i think it was peyton stovall who said that he thought that the oklahoma state or the stillwater regional was the best regional in all of college 
baseball this year. And I, I think it was a really, really good regional. I didn't pay super close attention to a lot of the others, but Hutch, you think you could maybe agree with that? It was certainly the most entertaining regional. I mean, just look at all the different games. I mean, even the games Arkansas wasn't involved in, uh, the game right before Arkansas's on the Sunday of the regional was Missouri State jumping out to a 12-0 lead and blowing it and ended up losing to Oklahoma State like something crazy, like 27-13, to 13, like just an insane like football score. Uh, I think it was the highest scoring game in NCAA tournament history. So uh, then you throw in the, the Arkansas-Oklahoma State games, which are just wildly entertaining, uh, high stress, extremely competitive, uh, two, in my opinion, top 10 teams that should not have been playing together in the, uh, in the regional round. Uh, as we found out, Arkansas was probably worthy of hosting a regional, but uh, that, that, that series, that regional is probably the most entertaining regional I've ever witnessed myself, and I would imagine one of the more entertaining in recent history. And then they traveled to Chapel Hill to play North Carolina, which was it, at the time it was a really hot baseball team. They, I mean, up and down their lineup, they had some great hitters. Their pitching was probably what really killed them. Um, I think that they didn't have very spectacular pitching. They didn't have a single pitcher on any all ACC teams. So, um, you, you, I remember doing research and seeing that that they didn't have an all ACC pitcher, and I didn't think it was a huge deal because I looked on paper and their pitcher still did well. So I was like, okay, well these guys, these guys will be fine, but. It was really the Arkansas right-handed pitchers that really worked with most of their off-speed pitches and Connor Nolan and Will McIntyre, who had two great starts and uh, really helped Arkansas win the two games. Didn't even have to play a third to advance to the College World Series. Now that second game, yeah, it was, the, was it the second game that had all the rain delays, I believe, or was that the first game? Okay, the second game. It's a long time ago. But, yeah, there was a lot of rain delays, and then um, eventually they got the job done and advanced to Omaha. Um, I think that them advancing to Omaha, you know, that's something that you expected before the season, but Hutch going into the regional, that was not the expectation, correct? Correct. I mean, it was, it was one of those things where you thought maybe it could happen, but I'd be lying if I said I was expecting it to happen. I, I thought they would be competitive in the regional, uh, but I thought Oklahoma State was a very good team. I thought Grand Canyon, who they had to play in the first game, was a very good team. Uh, so I, I would not have been surprised if they had gone 0-2 and been done with the season. Uh, I also wouldn't have been surprised if they won the regional like they did. Uh, I think I was maybe a little surprised how they won that regional, you know, by using, with their bats heating up. Uh, I thought it was going to be much more like how the Super Regional played out, where it was dominated by those pitchers. As you said, Connor Nolan and Will McIntyre were phenomenal in back-to-back -back games. Uh, and, and the bullpen was solid, although it did get a little bit hairy in that game, too. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was it was a definite surprise that they ended up back in Omaha, considering the way they ended the year the way they did, losing back-to-back -back series uh, to end the regular season, including a really ugly, ugly, ugly game three against Alabama, and then going 0-2 in the SEC tournament. That was kind of like, oh, wow, is this team going to get it figured out? And Boy, they got it figured out at just the right time. Before we move on to how they performed in the College World Series, Alex, I kind of want to ask you, you didn't watch this team a whole lot throughout the regular season like Hutch and I did. We were, you know, covering it heavily game by game. But um, you kind of you, – you were watching during the postseason, picked up, you know, watching them 
a lot more in the postseason. What was something that really stood out to you about them? Maybe they're in the supers that somebody who had been watching the team all year might not have really noticed because it's just the normal. Yeah, and, and you know, starting off, I, I was a huge baseball kid growing up. I played every year. Um, that was the sport that I liked playing the most. I, I like football, uh, watching football the most, and probably basketball up there too. But um, baseball is a sport that I, I hold near and dear to my heart. And seeing this team in the Super Regional, you know, after overcoming, even after you know, seeing what they were able to do in the regional, and, and seeing, hey, they gutted this out. They, they got the hits at the right times. Even in that game that they lost in the regional, they picked up the hit that probably should have won it for them um, before you had that that error in the ninth inning. But it's just this team was clutch, and you saw that. You didn't necessarily see it, you know, in that last very last game, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But you saw it in that Oklahoma State uh, regional. You saw it in the North Carolina Super Regional. You had you had every time this team needed a hit, it seemed like they got a hit, and that's something that really. You can't even necessarily coach that. That's just the players being able to be out there. Um, coaches put them in the right positions. Um, we saw that even last year with uh, Christian Franklin against NC State. But you really just – it's about finding the right spots, and this team always seemed to find the right spots. It's funny that Alex says that because during the entire regular season, the the big knock on this team was they can't get the hits when they need the hits. So – they, I mean, they figured it out in the postseason, and when you have a coach like Dave Van Horn, I guess it's a little bit easier than with some other programs. But going into the College World Series in Omaha, they uh, they were going to run into Stanford, which was the top remaining seed in the, uh, among the eight teams. They were the number two overall seed going into the NCAA tournament, and uh, the the thing, the big the big news going into that game was Stanford pitcher Alex Williams saying that uh, he would take his lineup over Arkansas's, and then Arkansas scores 17 runs compared to Stanford's two runs. So, Hutch, after that game, I mean, you felt you felt pretty confident you were going to run into an Ole Miss team up next that had been hot, but it was a team that Arkansas had beat already in the regular season. Um, maybe I, I mean, you know, you can look back on it and hindsight's 2020, but going into that matchup, how are you feeling about it, Hutch? Yeah, first, let's back up just a moment. Stanford was the highest ranked team in the tournament because the number one team, Tennessee, was knocked out of the regional by Notre Dame. I would be uh, very upset if we didn't mention that at all during this podcast. So, yes, Tennessee did not make it to the College World Series despite being the number one team all year. Uh, you hate to see it. I mean, uh, but, I, I feel like somebody <laughs> predicted that, though. There, the, did somebody? I, I mean, if I recall, somebody said <laughs> Notre Dame is the lock of the century, even. And uh, it seems as if that actually happened, but there's a lot of people who didn't want to admit that that happened, even though it's right there, right in front of your eyes. If you want to go look <laughs> on Twitter, it's at Cho Mason. What were the odds when you got that one, Mason? I I can't, I, I honestly don't remember, but people told me to put my money where my mouth is. And you know, I felt like I, I felt like as, you know, a good human being, I should probably do so. And uh, I'm very happy that I did and I cashed it out. So thank you um, to Tennessee baseball for providing me with funds. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that, that, uh, that Stanford game uh, was, was something else, you know, winning 17 to two, I thought, honestly, going into the college world series, I thought that game would decide, you know, the winner of that side of the bracket because I just felt Stanford and Arkansas were the two best teams. I thought Auburn and Ole Miss were, were teams Arkansas should beat. 
so when it was Arkansas and, uh, and Ole Miss kind of paired up in that winner's bracket game, I felt, I felt good. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't think it was a lock that they were going to win that game, but I felt like Arkansas had a good chance. I was a little bit worried that, you know, maybe they used up all their runs the game before, you know, like they say in baseball, we saw it last year with the super regional against NC state when they scored 20, 21 runs and really struggled the next couple of games uh, that kind of sort of played out. Uh, you know, they ran into a really good pitcher, uh, for Ole Miss, uh, they did again later in the College World Series, but uh, Hunter Elliott, that freshman lefty that they have, was just really, really good. Uh, had some chances, just didn't work out, but really where, where they lost the game was on the mound. Uh, they'd been so good pitching-wise. They gave Zach Morris the start. Again, you mentioned earlier, hindsight, hindsight's twenty twenty. I still think starting Zach Morris was probably the right decision in that game. Uh, you know, Ole Miss has struggled against lefties, much like Arkansas, even more so than Arkansas. They hit about 50 points lower against lefties. Zach Morris had pitched really, really well, did really good against Oklahoma State's, you know, red-hot offense. So the move made a lot of sense. Uh, I don't think it was just terrible that they didn't start Will McIntyre, even though Will McIntyre went out and did really, really well in the elimination game against Auburn who's to say he would do the same thing as Ole Miss. Ole Miss's lineup was just on fire at the moment and turns out they were a team of destiny. So uh, I think it was just a matter of Arkansas running into a team that wasn't going to lose. And yes, they did beat them, you know, once later, but just couldn't get by them in that last game to get to the finals. So I felt good going into that game to, to say the least, but it just didn't play out that way. Yeah. Going into that, that third game against Ole Miss, when Delusia was starting, I, I, you said you felt good. I think most of us uh, in, in our little group that was there, we felt, we felt good about Arkansas winning that game, um, especially with Connor Nolan going back on the mountain. And I'll tell you what, they did not lose that game because of Connor Nolan. It's a lot like, um, you know, the, the Kevin Cobb start in, against NC State last year in the Supers. You got what you needed to out of the guy on the mound. It's just they could not put some hits together and, I, we talked about it on the Diamond Hawks podcast. Go subscribe to the Diamond Hawks podcast. It's on Hogbeat YouTube. Hit that line.com. Um, we talked about it there. That was just a historic performance by Dylan Delusia. And you can be upset about it. You can say Arkansas should have gotten hits. But maybe you can also sit there and say, you know what? The better team won today. And I got to watch a historic performance at the College World Series. And so that's what happened. And then you mentioned it. Ole Miss goes on to win. They win the national championship. That one hurts a little bit that uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss have both won national championships before Dave Van Horn, but it's okay. And uh, you know, maybe Dave Van Horn and Arkansas is next. I don't. I I don't know. But uh, if if those two teams can do it, really anybody can do it. Especially after Ole Miss, they should. I don't know if I should say this, but a lot of people have said it, and I feel like I mean it's realistic. They probably shouldn't have been in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I mean, I think they deserved a spot in the NCAA tournament. The SEC is so good, and I would vouch for any of those SEC teams that were kind of on the bubble just because, you know, it's it's the SEC. I mean, I said it earlier, Arkansas probably should have been a top eight national seed, and they didn't even get to host, all because of their stupid RPI was so low. Uh, turns out the RPI is, doesn't know what the heck it's talking about. Uh, I know it's just the metric and it's all that stuff, but uh, if you finish third in the SEC uh, overall, to me, that you deserve to at least host a regional, if not a top eight seed. So uh, I didn't hate Ole Miss getting in the tournament, but it does hurt to see 
Mike Bianco win a national championship before Dave Van Horn, at least Mississippi state last year. I was, I was kind of, I mean, you don't want to say that. I mean, I was kind of happy for Mississippi state last year. They're a historic baseball program. They've been there right on the cusp before they were kind of like Arkansas that they've been there double digit times and had never won it. Uh, so for them to win, it, it was kind of cool. Uh, didn't quite have the same warm and fuzzy feelings about Ole Miss doing it this year. Alex, as far as this this Razorback team and <clears throat> the way they performed in Omaha and down the stretch, um, what what was your biggest takeaway? I, I think you know before before you go, I think my biggest thing was I felt like at, at times down the stretch in the regular season, it seemed like they didn't really enjoy playing together. And uh, we heard – I can't remember what player it was, but we heard that they got together after the SEC tournament and they had a conversation and said, hey, we need to get it together. And I think that they really did. I think they played on a different level. They played like they wanted to play together. So, from for you, Alex, what did you think about this team there down the stretch in Omaha? Um, I think you can look to a couple of things, you know, just from someone who didn't necessarily follow it too, too closely for the entirety of the year – that's a damn good infield. I mean, you have guys all every spot in that infield that, that are going to play professional baseball. And, and that's not something you're going to find. I, I don't know about college baseball necessarily um, being from further up north, but I, I can't imagine that's something that every team just has laying around is for, you know, big, big time MLB prospect infielders. And then you also have to look at it and see that this team could win both or could win a couple of different ways. They didn't end up doing it at the end, but you saw at the Oak uh, in Stillwater, you saw them win it with their bats. And then at Chapel Hill, you saw them win it with their pitching. And then you kind of saw a, a little bit of a mixture when you were in Omaha, you didn't have, you put up a lot of runs, but you also didn't necessarily have to put up that many runs with how well Connor Nolan pitched against Stanford. And I think that's a testament to just, you know, how, how talented this team was is that they did they could overcome the adversity and they could win games not only when people didn't think they could but when they're kind of the way the team fit together shouldn't have necessarily let them they were able to kind of figure out ways to get around that and win all right well i think that that's going to wrap it up we got to talk about this roster though the way that it's going to change for next season there's already been a whole lot of changes and uh, plenty more to come and we'll talk about that next on the hogbeat hour you're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Okay, we are back here on the Hog Beat Hour. We got to talk about this baseball roster, and uh, we'll we'll talk about it. Hutch has a message here at the end for everybody listening, but there's going to be a lot of change for this team. I, I have this little roster tracker that I have going on, but uh, Hutch, I mean. They're they're only returning one starter from the starting lineup in the postseason, and that is Peyton Stovall. Um, you know, you're losing a lot of guys to either the draft or they're transferring or they're out of eligibility. But is this is this something that worries you a little bit, or do you think? I mean, I'm not worried because I know what they have coming in and what they're going to have coming in. But how normal is it to lose all but one guy out of your starting lineup? Well, I think losing players is something that happens every year. I mean, it's there, there is more turnover probably in college baseball than some other sports, just because the really good players only are here for two or three years. I mean, Caden Wallace, you know, he's a sophomore 
generally you get him for at least a junior year, but he's a draft eligible sophomore. So I think it's just kind of a mixture of all that throw in the older guys that are here. Thanks to the, the COVID year. I mean, Brady Slavens, Jalen battles, though, that those are two guys that would not have come back. Braden Webb uh, would not have come back if they had not gotten that extra year of eligibility. Uh, they still have another year, but that's their, their leverage year. Uh, you've got Braden Webb, Chris Lanzilli, Michael Turner, those are guys that would not have been here had it not been for getting an extra year, period. They're out of eligibility now. But uh, so you've got this kind of just the confluence of all these factors, and it's, it's led to uh, a lot of veterans that are going to be moving on. You've also got really good players that Arkansas always has, guys like Robert Moore, uh, who you know could potentially come back this year. I, I'm not expecting it. Uh, Caden Wallace, he's probably going to be a first-round draft pick. Uh, so you, you're, you've got these guys that are going to be moving on uh, to the pros because they're really good. And then you got Zach Gregory that has decided to transfer out. And that's how you end up with only one returning guy in Peyton Stovall, uh, thanks to him being a freshman and, and not having really any other options. So it's not super uncommon uh, that this kind of stuff happens. It is a little uncommon that it's happening so much. Uh, but the reason it's happening isn't something that's like, oh, gosh, you know, it's time to hit the panic button. And there's a legitimate reason behind why all this is happening. Uh, so I, I wouldn't hit the panic button, especially when you've got a guy in Dave Van Horn who knows a thing or two about uh, building a roster. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, it's not a fallout going on. They've had their end of the year conversations with coaches and it's basically a, a conversation where it probably goes something like, hey, you should probably go somewhere else because we're bringing people in and we don't know how much playtime you're going to get. <clears throat> and that's understandable. That's how it goes. And, you know, it, you want the best for every guy. You want every guy to have the best opportunity to play his best baseball. And that's when you look at a guy like Heston Toll, who, you know, he, he yeah, he's probably a very talented pitcher, but was he going to pitch a whole lot at Arkansas next year? Probably not. They're bringing in a ton of pitchers. So Heston Toll enters the transfer portal. He's going to Texas now. Um, you look at Dylan Leach, he's a catcher. Arkansas needed a catcher, but maybe they didn't like Dylan Leach, and so now he's going to Missouri. So uh, as far as other transfers, you mentioned Zach Gregory, Elijah Tress, Gabe Starks, Max Solis, Vincent Trapani, Mark Adamiak, and uh, Drake Varnado. He committed to Arizona State. I don't know if I mentioned Evan Gray. He also uh, transferred out. He's going to St. Louis. So as far as, let's see, I, I wanted to ask you, Hutch, real quick, of these guys, you mentioned kind of earlier how some of these guys, Connor Nolan, Jalen Battles, Brady Slavens, Evan Taylor, all seniors, but they do have that extra COVID year. We don't think any of those guys are going to come back for their COVID year, do we? Uh, I would be, I mean, I think Jalen Battles is definitely gone. I think Brady Slavens is definitely gone. Uh, I think Evan Taylor is probably gone because, I mean, I think he's he, – he pitched so well this year. He's he's earned himself a you know pretty nice spot in the draft. You know Connor Nolan is the mystery. Like the comments that he made after the game in in the College World Series, you know that last game, made it sound like he was done. Um, but I could also see him being a guy that's like, hey, you know I'm probably not going to make a ton of money in the at the professional level. You know maybe instead of you know going straight to the the minors, maybe I stay for another year and try to win a small championship. Maybe that's how it plays out. I'm not holding my breath. I'm just saying I wouldn't be just totally shocked if, if he's a guy who decides to come back. Uh, so, 
Yeah, I, I would I would just go ahead and count. You know, Zach. Uh, well, no, Zach Morris is a junior, uh, but he's another guy. It's a draft eligible guy. Who knows what he's gonna do? That's another one I'm kind of keeping an eye on. But of those seniors, I would just go ahead and count on all of them moving on to the professional ranks. And if any of them come back, it's just a, a pleasant surprise. Okay, so of the of the guys with remaining eligibility that is not just the COVID year that could get drafted, though, Caden Wallace, Robert Moore, Peyton Paulette, you mentioned Zach Morris. Um, I mean, Will McIntyre, he's draft eligible. Uh, let's see. Let's go down this list. I think those are really the only guys that might get drafted from this from this roster. Um, I guess Jace Borfin, but Jace Borfin is the only outfielder currently on the roster. So um, what do you think about that? You think all those guys are probably going to come back aside from, you know, the three, the big three in Wallace, Moore, and Paulette? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Borfin actually is a sophomore, so he's not draft eligible. I think he has to come back. Yeah, you're right. Um, I, I had it I had it listed as what their year is going to be next year, and I read June. Gotcha. That's on me. I'm sorry. No, you're good. You're good. No, but I mean, I think Caden Wallace is gone. I really think Robert Moore is gone. Um, Peyton Paulette, of course, I think he's still, you know, he did have the Tommy John. Uh, even if he did come back, he probably wouldn't be able to pitch next year because he had Tommy John like at the very beginning of this season, and it's usually about a 15-month kind of true recovery time. Uh, so I, I would expect him to move on, uh, get drafted and, and sign, get, get a nice little signing bonus. So, uh, but the other guys, I mean, I think Will McIntyre will be back because he just hasn't pitched a ton. I mean, he pitched two appearances before the pandemic year in 2020. He redshirted last year and then he didn't play the first half of this season. So I think he needs to come back and kind of build on that, uh, what that foundation that he set. Uh, he's also not a guy that like just blows you away with his stuff. He's not a guy that throws 99 like a Jackson Wiggins. He's he's a guy that just knows how to pitch, a decent velo, and just has really good stuff. Uh, but I, I would expect him to be back. You know, Zach Morris is the probably the biggest question mark I have uh, among those guys. Just what's he going to do? I think I think he's in the top 500 on Baseball America's top prospect list, but just barely. I think he's like in the 400s somewhere. Uh, so he's a guy who who could get drafted, but I also could see him come back and and try to build on the year he had this year because he was really good this year, probably kind of his breakout year. Maybe he builds on that. But again, he's a left-handed pitcher. Uh, those seem to be you know, at a higher premium. So uh, that that's probably the number one guy I'm kind of keeping an eye on once the draft rolls around later in July. Okay. Um, and then so the Hogs have some transfers coming in. Basically, all of them are JUCO guys right now, aside from Creighton outfielder Jared Wegner. Um, they uh, they did pick up a catcher, which is huge. I'm, I'm going to bring him up here because I already forgot his name, and that's that's my fault. Uh, Parker Rowland, catcher from Eastern Oklahoma State, has some pretty good stats, looks good on paper as far as hitting and behind the plate. Um, that was huge because they didn't have a catcher yet. I have to think that they're going to bring in another one, maybe two catchers, because you got to have at least two catchers on the roster, and you probably need three. Um, they're also going to need some outfielders. They, As I mentioned, they only have Jace Borfin really right now. I mean, they're bringing in a ton of infielders. I feel like some of those guys could move positions. I'm sure some of those infielders can probably also play outfield. Um, but as far as positions of need, it's catcher and outfielder. Um, I mean – for you, Hutch, do you think that they're really going to target something else? Because they're they're also bringing in a lot of talented pitchers as far as freshmen go. They're bringing in some JUCO pitchers as well. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in, you know, a pitcher or two or, you know, it's it's going to be interesting how the rotation plays out. I mentioned I think Will McIntyre is going to be back. I think he's earned a spot in the rotation, even though his stuff probably doesn't blow you away quite like, a, you know, a Hagen Smith or a Brady Tiger. You know, I could see him moving from a bullpen guy to a starter. That's something Dave Van Horn has talked about a lot. Jackson Wiggins, you know, if he can get things figured out, he has incredible talent. Uh, so do they bring in another starter or do they try to find another, you know, long reliever type guy out of the, uh, for the bullpen? Um, I, I could see them bringing in a pitcher or two, but I think the, the spots you, you, you nailed it. It's, it's a catcher. Uh, they need, I think a couple more catchers. I mean, they've got the Juco guy you mentioned, uh, but you need a, another guy, uh, whether, you know, the Juco guy is a starter or not, you need, you need to, and then outfield. Yeah. I mean, I think some of the infielders, Dave Van Horn has mentioned, some of the JUCO infielders they have committed are what he considers athletes who could play wherever. I mean, look at Zach Gregory. He was a converted infielder that is now an outfielder. Um, so, I mean, I could see I could see that happening. I could also see them going after some more in the portal. They probably need to. A center fielder would be great because uh, they don't really have one. I mean, maybe Borfin could play there. Uh, they do have uh, Mason Neville committed and signed as a high school prospect, but he's probably going to get drafted and, and go straight to the pros, never make the campus. So there are definitely some spots they're going to have to fill, and, and I fully expect that to happen, uh, even though I know some fans are getting a little impatient, which is understandable, especially when you see LSU doing what LSU is doing right now. Uh, but I, I expect them to get some guys here uh, in the next few weeks. What LSU doing – is doing right now is it's just incredible they're they are the dodgers of college baseball right now they're getting everybody and it seems to be very simple for them they also got wes johnson as their pitching coach so good for them alex as our as our recruiting guy real quick just tell us what you think about this um you know they're gonna have a lot of newcomers a lot of new guys on the roster a lot of new faces how hard is it going to be to you know you know get that team aspect back I think it's always a little bit difficult to, you know, bring in a bunch of new guys and find that chemistry. Um, it is easier, though, in some sports than others. You're not going to win a national championship with a team full of freshmen when you're playing football. Um, in basketball and baseball, you still would like to have some experience, especially in baseball, I feel like. Basketball, you can kind of do it with athleticism younger. Baseball, I, I think you do need to have time to build that. And we saw even with this basketball team, the chemistry didn't look to be there this season. And then down the stretch, the team made the elite eight. So it's all a matter of how the team meshes together. And you have to trust Musselman and a guy like Dave Van Horn to, to take care of what he needs to do in terms of getting this team put together in a way that he thinks can be successful. Absolutely. I think I think that's one of those big things is that, you know, Dave Van Horn, he's your head coach. He's done this before. He knows what he's doing. They have a plan. They would not have all these guys leaving and going if they didn't have a plan. So. That's what we got for you. Hutch, the floor is yours. <laughs> well, we, we've been talking about change with the, uh, the baseball team, but uh, I've got some uh, personal news for myself uh, today. Uh, if you're listening to this on the radio on Thursday, this is my last day at hogbeat.com. Uh, but don't worry, I'm still going to be covering the Razorbacks. Uh, I don't want to, to go into all the details on that because I just don't think that would be appropriate on a hogbeat podcast but i i have thoroughly enjoyed my time uh getting to know all the people on hogbeat if you're listening to this and you're also on the message board i've 
truly loved uh, getting to, to be a part of this community the last four years. Uh, a lot of these people, it's almost kind of an extended family. I mean, all these people are Arkansas fans. Uh, Y'all love the stuff that, that I'm able to bring to you. And I love that I'm, I have an audience to, to provide you uh, the coverage that I do. And so I hope all y'all continue to read me with uh, my new adventure, but uh, I'm, I'm sad to see this go, but uh, I promise you this is a great opportunity for myself and my family uh, that I'm, I'm very excited about. It's a little unconventional, uh, but one that I'm, I'm excited about. And again, uh, it's a great, great move for my family. So uh, gonna miss everybody. I'm gonna miss working here with uh, Mason and Alex and, and Jackson and all the other guys that we've had help out through the years over on Hogbeat. Uh, I'm sure gonna, I'm still gonna get to, to see all of y'all uh, and, and everything on the beat, but it's gonna be a little bit different, but uh, just wanted to fill everybody in who's listening that today is my last day. I'll be moving on to some other things, but uh, y'all still be able to find me covering the Razorbacks, hopefully for many more years to come. And I, I just want to be clear, Alex and I are extremely angry at Hutch for leaving us. I'm just kidding. We're, we're, we're super happy for him. And, you know, there's, there's no bad blood or anything. Like, we, we 100% support everything he's doing. And we are both – or at least I know I'm very thankful for you, Hutch. I don't know about Alex. I mean, you know, he, he's always trashing you, texting me all the time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, you know, this past year I, I kind of applied for an internship and kind of, you know – lucked into to the role that I have as the recruiting guy. And um, I just want to give Hutch credit for trusting me on that. And um, I'm looking forward to following him or reading him wherever he goes next and continuing to bring you all the best content recruiting wise that I can. And I know Mason's looking forward to doing the same for, for football and baseball and all of his many ventures that he does for Hogbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and as far as the people who are curious about what's going to happen with Hogmeat, that's to be determined. We don't really know yet. So we're going to have to figure that out. Hutch is kind of leaving us hanging out to dry. Um, it, it, but like, it's, that's not a bad thing at all. Like we, as I mentioned, a hundred percent support him, not mad whatsoever. Very, very happy for him. So um, as far as that goes, we're going to end the Hogmeat hour here. Thank you to everybody for listening.